Please be seated. Wasn't that good? Are you awake up there? Give us a wave. Wasn't that good? Oh, that's good. I just want to make sure you're awake. Okay, just before we continue with the message. Oh, come on, let's give Lee a hand. Come on, that's awesome. He's got his air conditioning jeans on. Look at their air conditioning jeans. By the way, anybody who wants to complain, their air conditioning. You've got to get it right on the knee, though. Thanks, Lee. Praise God. Bit of you. Never mind, I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, praise God. Just the ladies, dare. You're going to get one of these as you go out. If you've not already booked, over 500 tickets have been sold already. Please get your ticket. It's going to be an amazing day as you come together together. Okay, so let's start with the continued theme of thankfulness. And my title of my message today is How to Become Thankful When You Have Nothing to Be Thankful For. That's the question I want to answer today. Um, how can we become thankful when you have nothing to be thankful for? And I want to use a story uh, that may be well known for you, Feeding of the 5,000. How many of you I've heard that before of Jesus feeling the, the multitude with loaves and fish. I want to take from this story where these guys, they weren't very thankful at the beginning, but by the end of the story, they were really thankful for actually being part of what God was doing in their lives. So let's read from Matthew chapter 14. Uh, let's, if you've got your Bible on iPad, phone, paper, just It'd be good to start getting our Bibles to church and having a look and reading later. But if you haven't got one, let me read it to you. Matthew 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the only miracle in the New Testament in the four Gospels where it's actually gives the account in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you read uh, the other passages, it gives you a little bit more insight to some of the things that added to help you understand the story. So in Mark's Gospel, it says, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When you read Mark, Mark, Matthew's Gospel, it says that when Jesus heard this, what did he hear? He heard that John the Baptist had just lost his head. His friend, his relative had just died. And so here in the middle of ministry, there's a crisis, a bereavement. But yet Jesus moves away to a solitary place, had been ministering all day with the disciples to get some breathing space. And then the crowd follows them. 
And so you can see the picture. The disciples are really worn out all day. Jesus is carrying sadness for losing one of his uh, disciples and friend. And there the crowd come. And then it says this. The disciple says, let's send this crowd away and they can go and find themselves something to eat. And Jesus says, no, they don't need to do that. You do it. So you can see they were not thankful at the beginning of this story. I'm sure would you be? Because I'm not sure that I would be. And you know, when you look at John's gospel account, it tells us that Jesus was testing Philip and said, how are we going to feed this crowd? And he, he sort of said to them, where shall we buy bread for these people? And he said this, he said, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have a bite. Listen, whenever God's going to ask you to do something by faith, there's always not enough resources. And we so easily move into excuses of why we can't do what God's going to ask us to do. So we have to be very careful of that when God speaks to us about things, knowing that his economy is much bigger than ours. And so then he says to the other disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up, and here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two, sm two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? You can see the sarcasm, can't you? It's like a little boy comes to the pat lunch, and so he's sort of saying, well, this is all we've got, Jesus. Do you, you know, how are we actually going to meet that need, that crowd? So you can get the picture a little bit more from reading the Gospels and understand the disciples, because in this story, I'm a bit more like the disciples at the beginning. I've worked all day. We've been listening to your teaching all day, Jesus. We've been helping pray for the sick all day. And now we're moving away to have some rest. And then this crowd turns up and you're telling us that we've got to feed them. Not very thankful, would you be? And so they would say, I've been working all day and I know that you're looking on this crowd with compassion, Jesus, but I'm certainly not looking at this crowd with compassion. I'm thinking, I can't believe you've even turned up. We can't get away from you. We've been with you all day and now you're going to actually come and invade my private time to get some rest. But even more is a problem. Jesus won't send him away. He wants me to get involved and feed them. We are tired, Jesus, and worn out. Why can't they go and feed themselves? In fact, why are you concerned about their hunger when we're starving? We've had nothing to eat all day and you're concerned about feeding them, but what about your own disciples? What about our hunger? Why are you not willing to feed us? And then the challenge is far too big, Jesus. How do you expect with a few fish and a few loaves to reach this kind of need? They weren't thankful at the beginning of this story, were they? So how do they become thankful? And when you look at the principles in this story, I believe that every one of us in this room, that we can start not thankful, but if we get the principles, we can live a thankful life with all the challenges and the crowds that we have to face when we leave this church building today. Because the multitudes of challenges that you're going to have in your life, that they will come, and they will come unexpected, and they will also be inconvenient. This crowd was inconvenient to the disciples because of what was happening in their life. And the crowds will come in our lives and the challenges will come and the giants will come and the mountains will come. But, um, and sometimes it will zap us of our thankfulness to life and to God. So how can we make the transition from not being thankful to being thankful? So if you come with me, we can look at four principles 
that I believe that if you will get today, every one of you in this room and online, that you can end up leaving church with a thankful heart. No matter what giant you're facing, mountain you're facing, challenge you're trying to handle, I believe that you can find a thankful spirit because God has a plan for your life. Say amen. amen. So the first thing that we can be thankful for, here we go, you ready? Be thankful that Jesus believes in you. How do I know that? He said to them, they do not need to go away. You feed them. In other words, they looked at that as a negative, but I look at it as a positive. That Jesus actually thought these guys could reach and feed a multitude of people. In fact, there was around 20,000 people. 5,000 plus women and children. So they're estimated between 80 and 20,000 people. And Jesus believed in these guys that they could meet the need of this multitude. You need to know in your life that whatever challenge you face, okay, whatever giant intimidates you, whatever mountain that is in your way of your progress, that Jesus believes that you can handle this next season in your life. Come on, you've got to be thinking, you might not believe in yourself. You might be thinking, how am I going to get out of this situation? But Jesus believes that you have the ability in your life to get through the next challenge and next season of your life. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. And so he knows that you can handle whatever you're facing in your life. There's many times where, that God has asked myself to do things and I'm thinking there's no way that I could do that. But Jesus knows a lot better than we do and he knows what you can handle. He will never put on you what you cannot manage. So when Jesus says you do it, he knows that you can actually make a difference in your situation of your life. But the disciples somehow didn't want to take responsibility. And sometimes, guys and girls, that some of our issues arise because we do not want to take responsibility of the things that God has given us responsibility for. We're good Christians that say we'll pray about it. What that means is, I'm just going to give it to God to sort out. And have a guess what God does. God gives it back to you to sort out. It's interesting, isn't it? That we have got to pray about things, of course, but it's nine times out of ten that God gives you your prayer back to solve. It's gone quiet. Oh Lord, help me to get through this. Cool, I will, but I'm going to help you to do it. Lord, it'd be great if you could just feed the 5,000. Why can't you just send down manna? like you did in the Old Testament, from the sky, then we wouldn't have to go and distribute the food bank to them. We wouldn't have to get involved if you would just pray and the sky would rain down manna like you did with your people in the Old Testament. And sometimes God will do that, but there's a majority of time that God wants to help you manage your problem so you'll get bigger when you come through it. They'll be more like Christ and you'd be more equipped for the world that we sometimes run away from. See, maturity is God's heart for us. God's development in our character. And sometimes we want to abdicate responsibility, but we'll never grow if we don't take the responsibility and with God's help manage through the crisis or the mountain or the giants that we need to do. See, Gideon was the answer to his fear. Moses was the answer to his insecurity. 
They just had to believe God about themselves. See, many feel insecure and inadequate to face your challenges in your life right now. And the fear sometimes grips us to stop us from doing what God wants us to do. But we have to be like Mary in the New Testament. God turns up with an angel and he said to her, you're going to give birth and his name will be Jesus and he'll save the people from their sins. And she said, how will that be, Lord, since I'm a virgin? In other words, I've never done this before. And the reply was, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you and you will be able to do what you can't do in your own strength. And she replied, just go for it, God. I'm happy to be all in. If you say I can do it with God's help, with the power of God, I'm all in and I'll go for it. I want to say to you in your life right now, whatever challenge that you face, you can be thankful that God believes in you, that with his spirit and his power and his church, that you can make through whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now. You may not think you can, but I know that God knows that you can do that. We are good at quoting, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but not this one. And we limit God's power and we limit our own ability because sometimes we don't always feel like we can do stuff because of our intellect, our financial situation, our health. But I want to tell you, if God says you can do it, then you can do it. Whatever you're facing right now, you have enough in you to make it to where God wants you to be. Ephesians says, praise be to the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Everything you need, God's given you the resources. All you have to do is take responsibility and begin to manage and take the steps needed to see the breakthrough in your life. Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has planned things for you to manage in your life, and there's times that we want to run away from the purpose, like you think about Jonah. He didn't want to do it for other reasons. But I want to tell you, whatever you're running from today, stop running, face it, and understand that God's power can help you through and your ability, whatever it is in your life, your ability that you don't realise what's in you. When God called myself to Bible college, I never ever read a book in my life. And he, I thought, God, are you sure that you've not had too much pizza? I had no education and God said, go to Bible college for three years. By the end of it, with a lot of stress and tears and help from my wife, Linda, I got through. See, God knew that I didn't know myself because my family wasn't really into education. So at 15, I went straight to work. Said, forget school, just get earning some money. That was their mindset. So I never had the opportunity to learn or read. And when I got to Bible college, I loved studying. I loved learning about history. I never had the opportunity in school because I never hardly went. But I didn't know what was in me, but God did. And some of you don't realise the potential that's in your life right now, but God does and he needs to get it out of you so you can do great things. So Gideon didn't know he could actually lead a nation because he was hiding in a wine press because of insecurity. But God said, you're a mighty man of valour. I know what's in you and if you will just work with me, You'll do great things for me. And so I want to speak into your life today. No matter what I speak, people have spoke over you, whatever you think about yourself, God knows what you can do 
if you'd only believe him and trust him. The second thing is this, that you have to be thankful for in this story. Verse 19, be thankful what you have already in your hands. Jesus took the five loaves, he gave thanks, and he broke the bread. The problem with us is that the resources that God's given to us sometimes is a lot smaller than the challenges that we need to solve. And we shrink back because we don't think we can meet the need with our ability, our intellect, our finances, our limitations, and we don't take the progress in making change for the future. And so you need to give thanks for what you've already got because what you've already got has the ability to reach beyond more than you can ever think or imagine. They didn't realise what five loaves and two fish could do if they'd only be thankful rather than say, can these only, what are they going to do? They despised the day of small beginnings. They despised what God already placed in our lives. That little something and sometimes you don't realise that you're despising the very thing that God's going to promote your future with because he's placed it into your hands to be a steward and to manage. He was, he was grateful for the loaves and the fish, even though they would never have met the need on their own. We only have five loaves and two fish. You've, some of you have walked in church today and are online and all you're saying is, we only have that is going to kill your progress. We only have, so we'll not do anything. We only have, so we can't do that. We only have, how can we? We only have. What you don't realise is that God has placed something in your life enough to get you to your next step. Because if you had everything you ever needed, you'd never need God. So God puts enough in your hands, listen to me, to take you to where you need to go next. And when you go next, it'll place something more in your hands so you can go next. That's how it works in God's economy. He doesn't give you the provision, then you go. You go and the provision comes. But what you have in your hands is enough to take you where you need to go next. And you have to start thanking God for who and what is placed in your hands. Don't underestimate what you have already got in your life. And so I want to encourage you today that you really need to know, to understand that what you have in your hands is enough to take you to go where you need to go next. You see, what we need to understand is that when God says to Moses, what you got in your hand, he said, I've got a staff. Was that it? What did that staff do? What was in his hand? He raised up and opened the Red Sea so all the nation could go through on dry ground. David, what have you got in your hand? A sling and a few stones. That was enough to take the head off the giant. See, what, Gideon, what have you got in your hand? I've got a trumpet and a jar. That was enough to destroy a nation. See, what you don't understand is that what God has placed in your hand is the power to take you to your next season and bring breakthrough in your life. But you have to be thankful for your ability, for your finances, for your situation. He said, Lord, thank you, because I know what I've got now is enough to get me where I need to go. He says, I'll give you your daily bread. 
Some of you are so worried about tomorrow's bread, but you're eating today. Amen? And that's our problem. We go into panic mode. We don't realise that God is faithful every day in our lives. And you have to lean and trust in him because it's great to understand that God believes in you, but that could become pride when you think you can do it without God. There is a balance in having confidence in who you are because sometimes your confidence can breed pride that it's all about your talent and your gift that makes things happen. Because let me say something, without God involved, we're all in trouble. And so we need to know that we have to trust God to know that what is in your hand, Moses, with me, I can make a difference in your life. What is in your hand, church, with me, trusting in me for your future, I can make a difference in your life. Psalm 20 says, Know this, I, the Lord, gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from the heavenly sanctuary with victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say whatever challenge you're facing in your life, I want to tell you that God believes in you. You can be thankful for that. Number two, God's put enough in your present to take you to where you need to go tomorrow. And number three, are you writing this down? That's two of us. Be thankful that Jesus can multiply whatever you place in his hands. Oh, this is really powerful. Bring them here to me. This is really key for your breakthrough. Bring what you have, your lack, your inadequacy, your fear, your failure, your worries, your dream. Bring your provision. Bring them here to me. You see, one of the problems that we have as following Jesus is that we do not put our plans and our problems and our dreams on everything else in his hands. And we try and manage it ourselves. And then when we come to a crisis, we ask him to get involved. So what we have to do is that every part of our life is whether you've got the ability or not, you've got to learn to make sure that he's approval of what you're doing in your life. Lord, I'm going to give you these loaves. I want you to bless it. And so many plans that we have are not blessed by God because you don't even give them the opportunity to bless them before you start. You come up with a great idea, business plan. You don't even ask God to get involved in it. And you wonder why it doesn't work. Or you wonder why it takes you away from the things of God. Because if you have going to get success, your marriage needs to go into his hands. Your career needs to go into his hands. Your finances needs to go into his hands. Your gifting needs to go into his hands. Because without his blessing, let me tell you something, it will not multiply. And so they learned something, that with a little in the hands of God, it could feed a multitude. And that's the key that I want to sow into your life today. That when you place your life in his hands, your life has the ability to multiply. And so what is it that you need to put into his hands? Because not every good idea is a God idea. 
I'm preaching really well this morning. How do I know that's, that's true? Because King David said to Nathan, why am, why am I living in a palace and God's house is in a tent? And what he said to David was, hey, David, whatever you've got in your mind, go for it because God is with you. In other words, what a great idea, David. So Nathan, the prophet, here we go. Listen, a prophet can tell you about what you need to do next. Make sure that God is actually sending the prophet. Come on. Arthur prophecies that I hear sometimes, God's not even involved. So to tickle people's ears to follow them. Sorry about that. I want to save you some heartache. Prophetic words is a confirmation of what God's already said to you. Did you hear that? That will save some of you some heartache. Confirmation of what God's already said is a prophetic word to your life. So when the prophet comes and speaks into our lives, I just want to say thank you very much. God's already told me that, but you've confirmed it. Hallelujah. Thank you for the prophetic word. So Nathan the prophet goes home to bed all excited that he's encouraged the king to build a palace for God. And God says, hey Nathan, don't you think you should have asked me first whether I want David to build my temple? Because you've encouraged him as the prophet and he's going to believe that you've heard from me, but I want you to go back to him in the morning and tell him that he's not to build my palace. I want his ancestors to do it in the future. Tell him he's done an awesome job. Tell him he's an amazing king and I love him to bits, but I, my plan is not for him to build my house. I have somebody else in mind. See, not every good plan is God's plan. And what we have to learn to do in our lives, we have to submit our plans to the Lord and put them in His hands and let Him bless what we have intended to do with it in our lives. You know, I love that scripture. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. We miss the first bit out and we just go for the desires in our heart. But the Bible also says that the heart is deceitful above all things. But Jesus can change your heart so when you have, have a desire, it actually matches up with God's Word and God's will for your life. They're not warped desires. They're not selfish desires. They're not, oh, well, God said I can have the desire of my heart. Listen, some of your desires could be sinful and God's not going to honour that. And so how do we do that? It's simple. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord and trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and your vindication like a noonday sun. So our success, church, is walking with God and handing Him our plans and saying, do you approve of this? Are you happy with this? Because if you are, even though I've got lack, because it's been in your hands, and you approve it, you're going to give it back to me and now it has the ability to reach multitudes. <laughs> and some of the problems with us that we do not put some things back into God's hands and we wonder why we're living lack.
We have to pray that we are living, not legalistically, but all with a sense of humility and saying, Lord, what do you think about this? Because listen, if God hands you back your plans with approval, you don't have to worry because he'll take responsibility for it. But if you make your own decisions and don't give it to God, then you're responsible for it. And then you end up bringing it back to God when it's all a crisis and a mess. And then you've got to fix it. And you go for the heartache and you go for the pain. So what do we need to be thankful for? We need to be thankful that whatever we place in God's hands has the ability to multiply. I was speaking to Graham this morning on text. I said, how did the job interview go? And his reply to me on the text was, praying that my desires line up with God's will. I love that. In other words, I'm applying for loads of jobs, but I'm praying in my heart that God will open the door for what is for me. It's impossible for him to fail. Impossible. There is a job with his name on it. And when it's the right time, God will open that door. Why? Because he's committed his plans to God. He's put his job vacancy into his hands and saying, I'm committing that to you and my desire needs to be yours. So I'm waiting for you to open the door, Lord. That is absolutely loving, living in peace rather than you striving, trying to do your own thing without God's approval on our lives. You don't have to strive. You have to work hard, but striving kills your creativity. Worry zaps you of what God wants for your life. When we give what we have to Jesus, he can take it and bless it and give it back to you with the potential to multiply. If you'd only learned that lesson in your lives with your finances, you see God move in power in your lives. But some of you don't actually return your finances and put them in God's hands. And I want you to be blessed. And this principle can't be bypassed because what you put in his hands and he approves multiplies. What you keep for yourself will turn to maggots. Now, early this morning, I couldn't sleep because of the heat. I never thought of this thought before, but when you talk about as the ability to multiply, what does that look like in the crowd of 18 to 20,000 people? And my brain is unusual at times, and I think, I wonder how many pieces of bread it would have taken. And then I thought, I wonder how many loaves of bread that it would have needed. So I looked on Google, and I thought, how many slices in a loaf of bread? That's mad, isn't it? But I wanted to know. I wanted to get a picture of what five little loaves, barley, and two fish would do. I want to know how much bread would be needed from these five little loaves. And here's the thing, 20 slices in one loaf, and I've done maths, Five loaves would feed 100 people. 50 loaves would feed 1,000 people. 500 loaves would feed 10,000 people. So if every person in that crowd had one slice of bread, just one, okay, it would have taken 1,000 loaves of Warburton's. <laughs> and there were 12 baskets left over. Think about it, church. It's not rocket science, is it? How many sardines would there have been tins needed? <laughs> now, I didn't get that far because I'm thinking I'm getting over the top now. Bread will do. Five little loaves in the hands of Jesus 
had the ability to make a thousand loaves to reach 20,000 people. That's the God we serve. But you have to be bold enough to return into his hands what, so he can bless it. Because it'll go a lot further than just being in your hands. 1 Kings 17, if you've got a Bible, read with me. Got seven minutes and 52, one, 50 <laughs> seconds. As surely as the Lord lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. Then we may eat it and die. That's some of you come at a church and said that today. This is all I've got in my house. I'm going to go on with miserable for the rest of the week. I don't know how I'm going to get through. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Here's a word for you. Do not be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Wow. Principle, church. Get it in your spirit and bring it to me. And then... Make something for yourself and for your son. See, God has to be first in our lives, not second. Go bring some bread for me first, then go home and make yourself some food. And sometimes in our life, we do not reverse it. We eat the bread and we give God the crumbs. No wonder we don't multiply. So bring me the bread, he said to this widow woman. He'd get in trouble right now in our society, taking advantage of this woman. Go bring it to me. Don't be afraid. Go home, make a small loaf for me. Do what you said, bring it to me and then make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends the rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. See, the word of God. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. God's word is trustworthy. And if only we'd learn to trust his word, and return our gifting, our finances, our abilities, our futures, our desires into his hands. He has the ability to give it you back and go further than you can ever imagine in your life. That is a biblical principle in our lives. You've been given enough resources to take you to your next step. We give thanks and we give it back to him to bless for his approval. Now, as I come to close, when you look at the story, God is a, a real God, God of strategy because he gives you steps for your breakthrough. He says, right, how are you going to feed the multitude? How am I going to distribute the bread? And so he says, okay, this is, what, this is the wisdom and God's going to give some of you wisdom for strategy in your life. He said, tell them to sit down in 50s and 100s. That's in John's account. So, so God will give you what you can handle every step. Some of you can't feed 20,000 straight away, but you can do 50. And you can do 100. And God's process of administration managed the miracle. 
And I want to tell you, God has got strategy for you to manage your season in your life. It only you listen to him and just take the steps needed to go. And the last point is this. Be thankful that the blessing will not stop if you give beyond yourself. Shall I just say that again? Be thankful that the blessing will not stop if you live to give beyond yourself. Verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The overflow, left over. Remember, meeting the needs of others was the key to meeting the needs of themselves. And you have to also remember this, guys, that God's not only interested in meeting your needs, but he's interested in meeting the needs of the multitudes who have not got a shepherd. You see, the disciples could say, the Lord is my shepherd, but the multitude couldn't. And God had to allow his miracle to go through them to touch a crowd that didn't know his love. And the only way to keep the blessing flowing in our lives, if you allow it to go further than your own home, into the lost, into the world. The disciples were not concerned about the crowd, but Jesus had compassion on them. And I want to say to you as a church, we cannot lose sight that our gatherings and our church is all about just, just feeding sheep. Now we want to make sure that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God, and, but we, we can't exist just for that. Because Jesus said to Peter, go feed my sheep. That's a part of the ministry. But the other heart of God is that we've got to reach a crowd that doesn't know him as shepherd. And we've got to allow the blessing of God that it's our life to, to catch somebody else that doesn't know God. Can you imagine what it would have been like if, they, if Jesus would have listened to the disciples? and said, send the crowd away. 20,000 people and all their relatives and all their connections on Facebook and all their relationships throughout their lives would have not have heard about the goodness of the provision of God from that day. So you do not know what's beyond your provision. And if God can get it through you, as I've said many times, he will definitely get it to you. But the bottleneck for some Christians is, is that you only want the blessing for you. That's not enough. We want to be blessed so we can be a blessing. Because God needs to get His provision through us. Needs to get His love through us. We need to think beyond our own little, and we need to take care of our family. And we need to take care of our loved ones. But if we don't think more like God, that the blessing is not to be contained we will lose the flow of his blessing. See, a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will also be refreshed themselves. What happened in the story? They refreshed a multitude. What happened at the end of it? They picked 12 basketfuls of leftover and got refreshed themselves. That's the principle of God. It's not me first, everybody else after. No, it's lost and God will take care of me. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things 
will be added to who? You, as His child. See, God's plan is for a world that is broken. And He needs His church to be conduits to send His love through them. But we can't if we just contain a blessing for us. And God wants to bless you. You're already blessed. But we have to be a church and a people that be willing to reach out and touch the lost. And then we would reap refreshing for our lives. Let me ask you a question. When do you think the bread stopped multiplying? It's not a difficult question. The bread stopped multiplying when the people's needs were met. God's resources do not get wasted. Once He provides for you, His provision is enough to manage what you need and not just what you want. So He said to the people in the wilderness after the bread came down from heaven, tell the people to take what they need, but don't take any for tomorrow. Because if they take what for tomorrow, it'll become like maggots. Why? Because God was teaching about daily provision and not being greedy. Listen to me. When we live for more than we need just for ourselves, it becomes greed. But if we want more to, to meet the needs of others, it becomes generosity. I'm going to read one more passage from the Bible and I'm going to pray over you. Stand with me while I read the Scripture. I want to back up what I've just preached to you by the Word of God. This is so relevant for you guys in this place today. The wife of a man from a company of prophets, 2 Kings 4, cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead and, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys and his slaves. She was in problem. She was in crisis, wasn't she? Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Since you put our problem into the prophet's hands. Tell me what to do. And then he said this, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your hands already? She said, your servant has nothing there at all, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbours, see, here's the key for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons pour oil into the jars and as each is filled, put it aside. She left him, shut the door behind with her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Listen to this. When the jars were full. She said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Next bit. Then the oil stopped flowing. See, when you have nothing to pour into, 
for God's plan, no resources is going to come and reach your hands. And the only way for the flow to hit your life is when you look to meet needs in a world that needs Jesus. Because when the jars are full and there's no one to pour your life into, the oil stops flowing. As long as you're willing to meet a need, the oil is unlimited supply. Let me tell you something, God's got more oil than Russia's got oil. But the only way that can be stopped is when we get selfish and think it's all about me. When God's got a bigger plan, He has a multitude that He wants us to reach. He's got people in your life that He wants you to reach. But He wants to reach your need and from there to reach their needs in their lives. Luke 6 to finish. Give, I'm not just talking about money now. Give your life and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For listen, the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. See, here's the principles of a Christian flowing in the blessing of God that have always got a vessel to reach into beyond themselves. As we come to a close, the disciples at the beginning of this story wasn't thankful, but at the end, they were. Four things. You can be thankful that Jesus believes in you. Two, you can be thankful for what He has put in your hands. You can be thankful that Jesus can multiply whatever you placed in His hands. And finally, you can be thankful that the blessing will not stop if you give beyond yourself. Lift your hands with me. Dead on 40 minutes. That's got to be a word from the Lord that today. Are you happy? Lift your hands with me. Some of you are going to experience real breakthroughs in your life. I want to tell you that God has got it covered. Just believe in you and believe also in His ability. Father, I pray for every heart in this place. Pray for every person online. I ask you, Lord, for your Word to bring forth fruit. Father, whatever is of you, let it produce. Whatever's not, let it fall to the ground. But I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would make us people not only to be blessed, but to be a blessing. I pray, Lord God, that whatever challenge that we face, as we leave today to face tomorrow, Lord, let Your people know that we can make a difference and we can make it through. Because of Your goodness, I ask You, God, to multiply the provision over every person's life in this place. Every giant to fall, every mountain to be moved, every fear to go. And I ask it in Jesus' Name. And Lord, I pray for our church. Church, pray with me. 
I pray for Elam Church, Northampton. That Lord, I pray that you would speak to us afresh about meeting the needs of multitudes. I ask you, Father God, that when you speak to us, that we will not be afraid, we'll not be intimidated, but Lord, we will put in your hands what you've asked us to do. And Lord, we know that we want to reach people that don't know you. We want people to know the shepherd that we know. The Lord is my shepherd and we shall not want. Lord, would you help this church to reach people for Jesus? Would you allow the blessing to reach, Lord, the multitude? And we ask it in Jesus' Name. Amen. Let's give God praise right now.